Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello. And welcome to Gone Medieval. I'm Dr. Kat Jarman, and I'm delighted to bring you a bit of a festive episode today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today is the 21st of December, the date of the winter solstice. By many, this is regarded as the middle of winter because it's the shortest day in the northern hemisphere. As of tomorrow, thank goodness, the days will begin to become longer again. And of course, we're only a few days away from Christmas. This time of year has been celebrated not just for centuries, but for millennia for various different reasons. And in today's episode, we're going to look at one aspect of that in the medieval period and find out whether this was also a celebration that the Vikings took part in. And are there any traditions in our current Christmas celebrations, or especially those in Scandinavia, that go all the way back to the Viking Age? To find out more, I've invited along a cultural historian to Gone Medieval, Harlake Barkleid, who's an associate professor at the University of Southeastern Norway. Thank you for joining me today, Harlake. Nice to be your guest. 
So we're going to be talking a bit about midwinter traditions and the Viking Age especially, but also a little bit beyond that. And so you study some of these sort of cultural traditions, and especially in Scandinavia. So let's start then with this idea that Christmas was originally a pagan festival. Is that correct? Yes, uh, to a certain extent, we can say that. In Rome, they had a feast called Saturnalia Festival about 2,000 years ago. And uh, a lot of traditions that were practiced there are very much like our celebration over Christmas. Saturnalia was celebrated in December, and the Romans, they gave gifts to each other, and also they drank and ate a lot. In the second century, some Christians were inspired by an Egyptian feast that was celebrated the night between the 5th and the 6th of January to celebrate a newborn god. The Christians at this time then began to celebrate the birth and the baptism of Jesus at the 6th of January. But between 350 and 360, Jesus' birth was fixed to the 25th of December. And the Pope Liberius built a church, Santa Maria Maggiore, in Rome as a center for the Christian celebration over Christmas. We do not know why, which date um, Jesus was born. So when it was fixed to the 25th, 5th December, it was a religious political reasons. In the Mitra cult, the 25th December was an important date. It was the birthday of the god Mitra, the god for the sun. So we may say that Christmas had a Pepkin base and was inspired by the Pepkin practice. Okay, so... If we move forward then a bit to the early medieval period and and especially looking at the Viking Age, I think it might make sense to have a think about how this fits into the calendar and the year in the Viking Age. Do we actually know how the year was divided up in the Viking Age? Uh, Yes, a little bit. We know that the year was, of course, divided into two main parts, summer and winter. And in addition, it is told in the saga about St. Olav that the people in Trøndelag also divided the year in another way. They divided it into host, autumn, midwinter, midiumetri in Old Norwegian, the middle of the winter and the summer. In the middle of October, they had Haustblot. At midwinter, they had uh, Mitzvetrablot. And in the middle of April, they had Sumarblot. So this was a kind of uh, dividing the year. So and these blots are sort of feasts, aren't they? And we can get back to the feasts in a moment. But So you mentioned one of the sagas there. What sort of written sources do we have to tell us about this in general? Do we have a lot from the Viking Age? No, we do not have a lot. We have uh, very few. We have uh, mainly two, I, I think. It is the Snorri Sturlason uh, wrote uh, Heimskringla, the story of Norwegian kings in the Middle Ages. And we have also a poem that is called Haraldskrede. Uh, the author is Turbjörn Hornklove. And uh, the poem was the author of the poem about 900. 
So this is the main sources for the pre-Christian uh, Christmas or Yule, as they said. So that's really not a lot. You have one poem that dates to the Viking Age, and then the other, you know, Snorri is actually after the Viking Age, so it's not even a contemporary source. So really, we have very little material to go on. Very little exactly how the Vikings celebrated Yule or Christmas. Yeah. So you mentioned this idea of midwinter and, and sort of a feast and things in midwinter. Do we know if and how that time of year was sort of celebrated in the Viking Age then? Yes, a little bit. Um, the poem Haraldskred, as I mentioned, in this poem there is a phrase, Uti vil jul drekka, in Old Norwegian. So they drank Christmas or jul. Beer was very important in the celebration of Christmas. Beer has been a very important part of celebration, not only in Jule or, or, or Christmas, but also in weddings. They drank wedding, drikke, bryllup, and we also have a, a beer in, in funerals. So beer was very important in celebration. And uh, also Håkon the Good, a Norwegian king from about 933 to 960 approximately. In his saga, it is also told that he described that there must be beer to Christmas to Jude. This is very important. There is a question when the Vikings celebrated Jude. And this has uh, been heavily discussed by the scholars. But in the saga about Håkon the Good, the saga as I mentioned, it is told that uh, King Håkon made a law that told the Norwegians to celebrate Jule at the same time as the Christians and not at Håkunott. Håkö in English, if we translate it, it will be Chin. Chin night. And this, he said, it's the middle of the winter. According to the tradition, the winter began the 14th of October, and uh, the summer began the 14th of April. So then the middle of the winter should be the 13th, 14th of January. I think several squirrels agreed in this that the Vikings celebrated. Yule at this date. As we all know, the curve of the chin has a turning point. And in my opinion, Håkunott denotes when the winter turns and is coming to the half. So this is in my opinion, but they have been heavily discussed. Ancient history fans, this is our moment. Subscribe to The Ancients now to get your weekly goodness of ancient history. We've got the big topics. So through this material, we're actually looking at this entangled sum of hundreds and thousands, in fact, of stories of life across ancient Eurasia. We've got the big names. The Romans, of course, become so powerful and the Romans conquer the whole of the Mediterranean world. And Hannibal was the one who challenged the Romans the most. We've got the big discoveries. And these are the only surviving boxing gloves 
from the Roman Empire. And we even have some groundbreaking new archaeological detective stories. Baths of Cleopatra. I had never come across any such thing before. Subscribe to The Ancients on History Hit wherever you get your podcasts. According to Snorre, they practiced blot, animal sacrifice, at Yule in the heathen time. Snorre is telling about such blot at Mare in Trøndelag in Norway. To this blot, every farmer had to contribute with food and drink, beer and meat of sheep, goat and horse. A drink should be taken around the fire and the chieftain should bless the drink and the food. First of all, they drank to honor Odin for victory and power to the king. And next, they drank to honor the Norse gods Njord and Frey for good harvest and fertility and peace. Or as I said, till Ors og Fridar, as the old Norwegian said. Some drank also to honor Brage, and some drank to honor their dead relatives. During the blue, they could make ceremonial promises called Jula Haiti by putting the hand on the pig that was going to be sacrificed. According to the saga about Hawk on the Good, they celebrated Yule for three nights. It has been discussed a lot by the scholars what content the heathen uh, Yule had. Some of them claim that it has been to honor the dead and the ancestors. Other scholars think it has been celebrated to honor the sun. And lastly, some think it has to mark the end of a period of feast. So there are not so very much we know exactly about the celebration in heathen time. But there are, as we have mentioned, some sources that tell a little bit. Yes, this gives an idea then that it's associated with the time of year and it's certainly something where people come together and they make these sacrifices and offerings. They drink a lot of beer. I can see that being a sort of popular thing. And that's kind of what these feasts were about. Is that right? Yes. And and also we assume that the celebration began in the private home and uh, was continued at social gatherings, and uh, we assume that uh, under these social gatherings, there was blood. Yeah, so that's really interesting, isn't it? It's a sort of quite a small scale. It's not a sort of vast, big community event. It's kind of small family, private home. So that says something more about the society, I guess, how it fits into society. So that's really interesting. Now, do we know, well, you've already told us that we haven't got a lot of other sources, so we don't really know then presumably much about traditions for that time of year before the Viking Age in Scandinavia, certainly. Do we think that this midwinter celebration is based on earlier traditions as well? Yes, I will assume that. But I think we do not know so very much about this. But it is not unlikely, as I said, to assume that that the midwinter celebration is based on an earlier tradition. We know from a description from about 550 after the birth of Christ, uh, 
there was a description written by the Roman historian Prokop that there were some customs connected to the sun in Scandinavia. Prokop writes that 35 days after the long winter nights, some people were sent to the top of some mountains. And when they could see the sun, they sent a message down to the people in the valley. Then there was a social gathering, and they celebrated that the sun was back. So this is from uh, 550, approximately, yes. Yeah, so that's good then. So there clearly is something there, but it's so difficult. If we haven't got other written sources, archaeology can't really tell us about feasts and festivals in that way. So I suppose it's impossible to know. Now, one important thing that happens in Scandinavia towards the end of the Viking Age is that it converts to Christianity. So we obviously already talked a little bit about those pagan turning into Christian traditions you know, prior to the Middle Ages now. But... If we look at then places like Norway, Scandinavia, what happens to these midwinter celebrations when we move out of the Viking Age? In the saga of St. Olav's, the Norwegian king, we can read a little bit about this. In the saga, it is told that the people in Trøndelag continued to celebrate midwinter with blood after they had converted to Christianity. King Olav then punished them by taking from them the food to the celebration, inventory, and clothes. Beyond this, it is not so very much to find about the midwinter celebration after the people converted to Christianity. But from the end of the 18th century, we know that the people say that the, the animal bear turned around to the other side in his sleep, midwinter. So this was to illustrate that the half part of the winter was gone. But midwinter seems to not have been celebrated so much after we got Christians. Then it becomes just a religion. It's not so connected to the nature and to sort of what happens with the season so much. It's, it's very much just the religious calendar, I suppose. Yes, yes. Now, in terms of some of those pagan traditions, though, are there any pagan traditions that continue in our celebration still today? Yes, I will say that. The Catholic Church was very diplomatic and let the people continue to practice their old customs. But they gave the customs new content. Instead of drinking beer to honor the old gods in the Norse mythology, Odin, Thor, Njord and Freud, the people now drink beer to honor Jesus Christ and Virgin Mary. Still a drink to Ors og Fridar for good harvest and fertility and peace. And every husband and every wife had to drink the holy night. And if they didn't do it, they had to pay a fine to the bishop, according to the Gulatings law. Oh, I see. So there actually was punishment even in Christianity for not drinking at Christmas. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, that was news to me. It's fascinating, really. Yeah. So, so when the Christianity came to Norway and Scandinavia, they met a well-established uh, feast already. And uh, I think that is the reason why Christian Christmas celebration was taken so um, soon in use. Today, we also drink uh, beer. 
it's a Norwegian uh, custom. But uh, I have to um, say that we do not have a ritual drinking to the honor gods. We are drinking beer even today. There is also another thing I want to mention. The name of the um, celebration or the feast, Yule, is also from the heathen time, pre-Christian time. When the Catholic Church came to Norway, they tried to introduce the name Christmas, or in Norwegian, Christmas, but they did not succeed. So here in Norway and Scandinavia, we still call the feast Yule. In England, I think it's uh, otherwise, there you have the name Christmas. So the name is also from the heathen time. Well, that's a very big part of it, isn't it? That, that's a big sign, I suppose, that in the community, in society, there were people who still wanted to cling on to those traditions that they had already. And another thing I want to say is that, as I mentioned, in the heathen time, they started the celebration at home, the private home, and then they continued in social gatherings. And also in the over celebration today, we begin the celebration at home. And later on, there are a lot of social gatherings. So there are also some similarities. Yeah, so there clearly are some things then that we can say about our current Christmas, and certainly in Scandinavia, I suppose, that can be traced back to the Viking Age. You've got the name, you've got this idea of it being a private family event as opposed to, you know, a big community event. And yeah, the, the sort of Scandinavian or Norwegian Christmas beer, which I think is probably a tradition that should be brought into other countries as well, surely. Well, surely. Yes, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, I love this idea that we still do cling on to a few small older tradition. Halek, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you for being your guest. And yeah, have a very happy Christmas or Gujul, as we should say in Norwegian. Yeah, Merry Christmas and Gujul. Thank you so much. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Gone Medieval by History Hit. Don't forget to subscribe to our Medieval Mondays newsletter if you'd like more medieval information in your life. You can do that by looking at the episode guide on your podcast app. And of course, come back again for more next week. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, you can do that as well in whatever app you are listening to. But for now, thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr Kat Jarman. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gone Medieval. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out and you'll be doing me a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com forward slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use the code MEDIEVAL at checkout.